Good morning, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice in it. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into Connect Church. How y'all doing? So we are glad to be here today. I am Pastor LaStan. This is my lovely wife, Jennifer, and I'm going to give her the reins. And then... He always lets me start, because then if I mess up, it just, he looks better, right? Um, so we want to give you just a little bit of background knowledge about who we are. Um, Lestan, Jennifer, we've been married about seven years, and we have six children. No response. <laughs> Last was like, oh. We have our oldest uh, boys here. Um, we kept the other four at home for your benefit. You're welcome. Um, and the idea of Mosaic City Church came to us about over a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, the idea of launching, and I actually brought it to my husband, and his response was, no, I'm not doing it. So after lots of prayer, fasting, um, seeking wise counsel, we started on the journey of planting Mosaic City. Yeah, so if you know what a mosaic is, a mosaic is a piece of artwork that has tiny different pieces that come together to make up the whole. And so when you look at that, in Revelation 7, it talks about every nation, language, tribe, we're all going to be in heaven together. And so in Danville, there's a lot of uh, division. You see black churches, you see white churches, socioeconomically, politically. And so I just believe that God has called us to plant a church to bring our city together. So we always say we want to uh, tear down walls and we want to build bridges. And so we see so much going on. And, I, you know, and so as we prayed about it, God led us to plant Mosaic City Church. And so the core, some of the core values our community engagement. We want to engage our community and we want them to uh, let them know that the church is still relevant, that the church cares about them. And so, so what we do by that is we are present in our community. And I always say, there's no point of having a church if you're not going to impact your community. No point. Another thing is we value diversity. In our church, we want, no matter what you look like, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, we, you, we want you to feel welcome. So when people come into Mosaic Church, we want them to experience heaven. We might as well practice now, because when we get to heaven, you're going to see every ethnicity and every race. Uh, we also value generosity. Everything that God gives us, we're stewards. We don't own it. It's his. So what we want to do is we want to pour it back into our community. And we pour it back into our community by doing community events. So... This is my part, because my brain, does anybody have brains like that, the checklist? I have a good checklist in my brain. So around the time last year, um, when the gas pump started to really hurt us in March, does anybody remember that? Anybody in the fetal position crying because it was that bad? Well, at that time, we, we did our first outreach event, which was um, a gas card giveaway. We were able to give away 110 $25 gift cards to people in our community, there was a really touching story of an elderly woman who didn't have enough gas in her car to get to her doctor appointment. And if you, that just breaks your heart. She's on a fixed income. She didn't quite know what to do when we were able to bless her and get her to her doctor's appointment. Um, after that, after that, we started our laundromat ministry where we actually go into a laundromat one Sunday a month. Well, one Sunday, I'm sorry, every other month. And we take it over. We pay for all the laundry services. We blast our music, 
We pray for the people in there. I very often have a baby on my hip while mama's putting the laundry from the washer to the dryer. It's just been really a great opportunity for us to make, build relationships. Um, and, and oftentimes, you find people at the laundry mat who wouldn't normally go to church. They don't know anything about Jesus. So what we want to do as a church is we want to go in there, we want to introduce ourselves, we want to get to know them, and we want to let them know that we care about them. And so we pay for their laundry, and we get to know them, and, and we let them know, hey, we're going to be having certain events. And we let them know that, hey, you know what? The church cares about you. And so these are things that, that, that we do as well. We have... After that one, we did our anti-violence basketball tournament. I'm going to let Pastor talk about it a little bit, just because it's very near and dear to his heart. So in our community, we have a lot of gang violence. We have a lot of drugs being peddled in our community. And I had a, a cousin who was shot in the head and killed. And so as a pastor, you know, we have to do something as a church. So, so I decided uh, to have an anti-violence basketball tournament. Now, I will say this, that I believe that the church should lead the way when it comes to making change in your community. When it comes to justice issues, the church ought to lead the way when it comes to justice issues. When it comes to issues in the community, the church leads the way, but the church can't do it by itself. We have to partner with, uh, we have to par partner with different organizations. That's why we partner with the police, law enforcement. We partner with different organizations that can provide services to the people in our community. We partner with the, uh, the, the, the fire department. We always say we are better together. When we work together, with different organizations, with the church leading the way, we can help make a difference in our community. And so we partnered with the school district. So we had the students in our school district come out and play anti-violence, you know, come out and play basketball. And we often have police officers come out there and do layups and they shoot hoops. And we have business owners come out there and they shoot hoops. And then you know what? We have other pastors from different churches because it's all about God's kingdom. We have pastors come out there, and they play basketball as well because we are better together. So last year, well, this past year, we had about 100 students come out, and we talked to them about how to make positive decisions, how to deal with uh, violence, and how to deal with conflict. So that went well. Um, After that, that was our June outreach event. In July, we did a community picnic. Um, bounce houses, free food. The firefighters came and opened up a water hydrant. And if you can imagine, the children just went nuts. Everybody got wet. We had to hold back some adults, like, that's not for you. Step back. Um, in August, we did our free first day fade. So we did, so we did a free first day fade. So it's important. So in our community, it's important. So when they go to school, we want them to have confidence. So what we did was we partnered with the local barbershop. And we said, hey, would you cut a certain amount of heads for these kids in our community? Because some of them can't afford haircuts. So we said, as a church, why not partner with barbershops and let these kids get a haircut? And you, would, and you could just see their expression. They had a fresh fade, going to school, extra confidence. And so that's what we wanted to provide for them. And that's just another way of letting the community know that the church is relevant and that the church cares about them. Uh, in September, we did a nut, our Meet Us at the Mat, which is our laundromat. We've done that actually three times, our laundromat ministry. And then you just saw our um, October event, which was Mosaic at the movie. So everything the Lord gives to us, we turn right around and we put back into the community. Also, I know Pastor Dave asked us just to talk briefly about the agency. My husband and I created 
an agency about a year and a half ago called It Takes a Village Mentorship. And what our mentorship does is it goes into the schools and it mentors young boys. Last year, this year we're adding ladies, but last year we were able to mentor young boys who were identified as having social emotional issues, having grade issues, needing a positive mentor in their lives. And we were able to hire um, community leaders to go in, mentor them, talk to them about their feelings, positive conflict resolution, um, things like that. And, and it's been so helpful because, so my wife, she didn't mention this. So she's a third grade teacher. So she teaches third grade. And so one of the things that we want to do is we want to provide mentors for students in our school district because a lot of them don't have mentors. They don't have any male influence at all. So why wouldn't it be that the church step into that, that, that space and help make a difference in that? We know we've, we've bought lunch for teachers, you know, and so that has been our en route, route in the school district because we want to tap into every area we can to make a difference in our community. The teachers need help. There's been several times where the teachers have said, hey, can you pray for us? Hey, you know, you know I'm having a bad day, and, I, and this student is, is not following instructions. Can you talk to the student? So, so we don't have to stand in front uh, of, of the hallway and make a long prayer, but we can pray silently. We can take the light in the darkness and have an impact because this is what God has called us to do. So we do that as well. Well, last year we were able to service about 35 young men. Mm -hmm. And then after a bit of work this year, getting our program together and getting through the funding and everything, this year we are going to be able to service about 100 young men and women in our community. We went from seven mentors, I believe, to about 15, 16 this year. And we're just going to keep continuing. And the best part is we go up with them. So like last year, our third graders who are now fourth graders, we went with them. So they know that they're always going to have a mentor with them until they get to high school and probably beyond that. So, And, and what's great about this is we work with every elementary school besides two. Mm -hmm. So this is something that I want our church to get involved with and to get inside the schools and, 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 and to talk to teachers and to talk to students. So it's been great. We are excited to launch this upcoming Sunday. We're Woo! excited. And what's been so great about this is, although the church is a building, we are the church. We're the church. So we've been able to go in the community and build relationships because we're a relational church. We want to get to know the people, and we want them to know that we love them. And we're all about relationships, spending time with them. And so that's what we are doing. And so for us, our philosophy, a lot of times in church, you have, a, you have an either or. They do great discipleship. But community engagement is not as well. With us, it's a both and. It's a both discipleship, where people are coming to know Jesus Christ, but it's also community engagement. We want people who don't know Jesus to come inside, to reach them, and after they mature in their faith, we want to send them out, and they can get other people, and they can come to the church. So it's a both and. We're about discipleship, but we're also about community engagement because we want to see lives changed for Jesus and he has called the church to do that. It's nice coming to a building. It's great. But he's called us to go outside of the four walls of the church and to make a difference in your community and show people that the church is still relevant. And even in our community, we have politics that divide us. Social economics, we're divided. Churches are divided. Now, we both 
in our community, we have a lot of black churches. We have a lot of white churches. But rarely do we see churches come together, no matter what their race or ethnicity is, to lift up the name of Jesus and say, we're one. We have the same mission and we have the same goal, and that is to further the kingdom of God. It's all about God's kingdom. It ain't about a denomination, your church. It's about God's kingdom and how we can make our community and our world a better place. But I'm done. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 17, 17 to 21. And one of the things with our church is, is reconciliation. Ooh, sorry about that. God has reconciled us, and he calls us to be reconcilers. Not only reconciled to God, we need to be reconciled to, with one another. There is conflict in the church, and there is division in the church, but he's called us to be reconcilers. And so I want to title this message, The Ministry of Reconciliation. Is that all right with you? All righty, all right. I need some participation now. I, I, I said before, I am a chocolate preacher. You can talk back to me. You can say Amen. You can say, preach, pastor. It's okay. I come from a dialogical where we talk back. Uh, I do want to make a quick announcement. I see someone from Danville here. It's a small world. Got a chance, uh, the, the worship leader said, you know, say hi to somebody in the crowd. And I looked up and I said, wow, I didn't know you lived here. So it's definitely good to see you and your wife. His brother was our barber back in town. So... But let's get into the word. And the, the Bible reads, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of, of reconciliation. I want to say that again, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is the word of the Lord. Please bow your head with me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness, your grace. Thank you for reconciling us to yourself. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be ministers of reconciliation. I pray that you speak through me. I pray that I'll become small, you become big. I pray that you use me as your mouthpiece. And Father, I pray that what I say glorifies you and that it reaches the hearts of your people. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. On display in St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin, Ireland, hangs the ancient artifact known as the Door of Reconciliation. What is significant about this door is that it has a rectangular opening hacked in the center of it. The story behind the door is quite interesting. In 1492, two great Irish families, the Butlers of Armon and the Fitzgeralds of Kildare, were engaged in a bitter and bloody feud. 
The butlers, realizing that the fighting was out of control, took refuge in the chapter house of St. Patrick's Cathedral. The Fitzgeralds followed in hot pursuit. However, the Fitzgeralds followed them into the cathedral and asked them to come out so that they could make peace. As a gesture of good faith, the head of the Kildare family, Gerald Fitzgerald, ordered that a hole be cut in the door. He then thrust his hand through the door and offered his hand in peace to those on the other side. Upon seeing Fitzgerald's hand, he was willing to risk his arm and put it through the door. The butlers reasoned that his, he was serious in his intention. They shook hands through the door, and the two families who were once enemies were now at peace. We find out in this text today that over 2,000 years ago, God reached his hand to humanity and made provision for us to be at peace through his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. We look, as we look in verse 17 today, Paul talks about the new reality. Go with me in the text. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I like this word in the original language. This original, the, the word in the original language means kainos. This means new, novel, unprecedented, never before, fresh. He says that you are a new person in Christ Jesus. You are no longer the same person. The things that you used to do, you don't do anymore. He's transformed you. I like what Jesus told Nicodemus. He says, you must be born again. Well, you know what? When the Bible says when you are in Christ Jesus, you are born again. You are no longer, you're not rehabilitated. You're not re-educated. You're not reformed. But you are a new person in Christ Jesus. Notice in this text, he gives a contrast. He says the old and the new, the past and the present. Old, new, past, present. He gives this striking contrast because you can't go into your present living in your past. You can't bring the old with the new. You know, you can't have the old wine skins and put it in the new wine. He says, you are brand new, you are a brand new person, and not only that, he gives you a new identity. You have a new identity, which is in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I can do what God says I can do, I can be who God says I can be, and I can live the lifestyle that God wants me to live. So he takes me out of the kingdom of darkness, and he puts me in the kingdom of light, and I'm no longer serving Satan, but I got a new master. Jesus Christ is now my Lord and Savior, and I am under his command. I do what Jesus tells me to do. We often say the Lord is my Lord and Savior, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He transitioned to verse 18, and it says, God gives us the ministry of reconciliation. Go with me in the text. Verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Notice that God is the one, he's the agent who's doing the action. You don't change yourself, God changes you, and he's the agent of transformation. Friends, I'm here to tell you today, when Jesus comes into your life, he transforms you. You don't change yourself. But notice in this text, God initiates the relationship. He sets the pattern. 
See, Romans 5, 8, it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. The Bible says that we were dead in sin and transgressions, but God. Have you had a but God moment? Well, you didn't know Jesus and you were sinking in sin, but God. But it don't end there after you're converted. Even to this day, when you are going through situations, but God. Trials and tribulations, but God. I need a healing in my body, but God. My, my finances are acting funny, but God. My marriage, but God. We still continue to have these but God moments because God is faithful. So God gives us the model of reconciliation, and I'm so glad because God not only reconciles us to himself, but he reconciles us to one another. In Ephesians, it talks about how when Jesus died on the cross, that we were reconciled to God, but we were also reconciled to another. Let me give you an example. See, in the first century, you have the Jews and the Gentiles, and they were at odds with each other. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, they became one new person. They're one. And now in the body of Christ, it doesn't matter what color you are. If you're black, or if you're white, or if you're Asian, or you're Hispanic, we're one in Christ. We're one new person in Christ. So God has reconciled us to himself, but you know what? He's called us to be reconcilers too, right? And if we are called to be reconciler, that means we ought to be walking in peace with one another. You ought to be a peacemaker. So when it comes to politics, you ought to be a peacemaker. We may not see, what, we may not see it the same way, but we ought to be peacemakers. I still got to love you, although we may see it differently. We may not come from the same neighborhood, but I still got to love you. And the church has been divided for some time, but he says he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That means we are reconciling people to God, but we ought to be reconciled to one another. And you want to know what about the church? The church has been divided. Even in our hometown, you have black churches and you have white churches, and our goal is to make our community a better place, but we're not even working together. And I've said this before, we are better together. We have the same goal. And this is the thing, the church is supposed to be a reflection to the world of who Jesus is. Now, if the church is divided, how are we reflecting the world what unity looks like? When the, when the world looks at the church, they ought to say, man, look at how they deal with politics. You've got Republicans and you have Democrats here and they still love each other. Look how the church deals with their disagreements. When they disagree, they can still lovingly talk to each other. They don't have to yell at each other. Friends, the church ought to be a reflection to the world of what it looks like to serve Jesus. So God gives us the model of reconciliation of what he does when he brings Jesus down here to earth. But then point two, God has entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, I know what you're saying right now. I, I, I hear you. Well, Pastor Lestan, you mean to tell me that I have a ministry? I, I, I don't have an official title at the church. I'm not on paid staff. Well, the answer to your question is yes. 
God has given everybody in here a ministry. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. You have a ministry. We can't just come to church and consume and not contribute. Everybody here can contribute. You can always tell someone, hey, give them a, a kind word of, of encouragement. Being nice. Being kind to people. Serving. Ministry means to serve. Everybody in here can serve. Look at the life of Jesus. Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but I come to serve and to give my life a ransom for others. In John 13, Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. This is the God of heaven and the earth, and he's washing his disciples' feet. And he says this, if I, your Lord and Master, wash your feet, you are to do the same. And not only, he doesn't end there. He says, you know what? I've given you an example. This is what I love about God is that God doesn't give us a command without giving us an example. He gives us an, an example and say, look, follow me. We all, growing up as a kid, we used to play follow the leader. And we would do whatever the leader did. And Jesus is saying the same thing. Look, do whatever I do. Now, now I know y'all don't do this here. That's, we do this back in Danville. I know that in Danville, they have conflict and that sometimes people get on your nerves. But I know that's nobody in here. That's only back in Danville. Sometimes people say things to you that are rude and unkind. Sometimes people do things, and God says, you have to love your enemies. Like, I love my enemies. And it ain't easy loving your enemies sometimes. Because sometimes they do things on purpose to hurt you. You know what? God says, you have to forgive people. You have to forgive people who actually meant to hurt you or didn't mean to hurt you. You have to forgive them because Jesus has forgiven you. And Jesus says this. This is a caveat. He says this, if you don't forgive other people, he won't forgive you. If God has given you grace, you ought to give other people grace. If God has shown you mercy and has been good to you, you ought to show other people mercy. It's the game, follow the leader. So he not only gives us this ministry, but he gives us a ministry of reconciliation. That means I am trying to draw people to Jesus. The way I live my life, I am trying to draw people to Jesus. I want to live like Jesus. I want to walk like Jesus. I want to talk like Jesus. Let me tell you a story. I'm a hooper. In other words, I'm a basketball player. I play college basketball. And I'm a Michael Jordan fan. My wife would tell you, I buy Jordan shoes. I just like them. I, I just, and growing up, you know, I bought a pair of Nike Air Jordans. And Michael Jordan, he had this walk on the basketball court. And he would put his tongue out and he would walk. I'm the man. And Michael Jordan was unstoppable. But when I was on the basketball court, you know who I wanted to emulate? Michael Jordan. And I would have my Jordans on. I couldn't jump like him and I couldn't duck like him. But I wanted to be like Michael Jordan. And I would walk like Michael Jordan on the court. And I would have my tongue out. And I would play defense like Jordan because I was trying to emulate Michael Jordan. I, I wanted to be Michael Jordan. Well, friends, I'm here to say the same thing. We ought to emulate Jesus in how we live our life. In my marriage, I ought to emulate Jesus when it comes to how I love my wife. 
When it comes to loving other people who are hard to love, I have to emulate Jesus. I have to be kind to other people because Jesus is the standard. He's the standard by which we measure our, our, our life, our Christian life. Jesus is the standard. And so he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. And it says he, we have been entrusted. Everybody has an assignment and responsibility. If you know Jesus, you have an assignment and you have a responsibility. Being a Christian isn't a spectator sport. Everybody should be in the game. Everybody should be in this game. And not only that, it says he has entrusted us with the message. I, I'm not making this up. It's in the text. It's in the text. If you follow me in the text, I will show you what it says in the text. Follow me. Verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry. You have a ministry. You know Jesus, you have a ministry. But then he specifies what ministry it is. He says he's given you the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, God didn't hold it against you. Then he says this, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. If you know Jesus Christ and he has called you to be a reconciler, he's giving you a message of reconciliation. And this is the great thing about it. You don't even have to make, make up the message. The message is in the book. You can tell your message and say, you know what? I used to be a drug addict, but God saved me, and he could do the same for you. My marriage was bad, and my wife was going to leave me, or my husband was going to leave me, and he can do the same for you. I struggled with addiction. I struggled with alcoholism. But you know what? Christ changed my life, and he can do the same for you. You know what? I come from a dysfunctional family. My dad wasn't there, and my, my father wasn't there, my, 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 mom, my mom wasn't there. But you want to know what? When I gave my life to Jesus, I got in the family of God, and now I got a family. And I got a heavenly father who loves me unconditionally, and he has a purpose and a plan for my life. And now I have joy, and I have peace. And that's something that the world can't take away from me. See, he gives us a message experientially, but then you have the message of the good news. We live in a world that's so much bad news. You look at the news, bad news. Bad news is everywhere. Bad news. But don't you think it's some time to start sharing the good news that if people out there who don't think that nobody loves them, we can tell them that Jesus loves them? It's bad news that people think that they have to stay in their situation. No, Jesus can take you out of that situation and Jesus can transform you and he can change your life. That's good news. People need encouragement. So he's given us a message. 1 Timothy 2 and 4, it says that it's God's desire that all people be saved. It's God's desire that all people be saved. Don't matter where you're from, what you did in the past, who your parents are, 
It's God's desire that all people be saved. So why wouldn't I want to share this good news with people? Why wouldn't I want to share this? Lastly, God has given us a mission as ambassadors. Follow me in the text. I'm, I'm just going to walk you through the text. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, as a result of, therefore, as a result of what Paul has already said to you, let me, he says this, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Isn't that powerful? It says that God is making his appeal through you in the way that you live your life. If you were a billboard, would people want to read you? What would they say about you? We all are walking billboards. And when you name the name of Jesus Christ, people are watching you. They're watching what you say, what you do, how you live your lifestyle. And they're saying this. It don't matter what you say is how you live your life. It doesn't matter what you say. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter if you say you're a Christian, you love Jesus. How many times you go to church, they're watching how you live your life. I've been to the bank before, and I've heard a woman talk about going to Bible study, but was rude. And I said to myself, wow. If I didn't know Jesus, what would I think about Christianity? How are we representing them? An ambassador is someone sent on the behalf of a foreign country to go to a foreign country. We're all our ambassadors. This is not our home. We have a heavenly citizenship. Heaven is our home, and we're just stopping by. And so if we are stopping by, our time here is limited. Don't get too comfortable. And sometimes I feel like we get too comfortable in the world we're living in. We want the big house. We want to live in the American dream. I want the beautiful wife. I want the nice car. And I want the big house. And I want the, the, the job where I can make six figures. The word of God says, what is the profit of man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? We need to reorient ourselves to priorities. What's priority in the kingdom of God? What is God crazy about? God is crazy about people. He loves people. I need to care about the same things that God cares about. Not Lestan cares about, but I need to reorient myself to what's important to God. Because if, God, if, if, if it's God's heart, it ought to be my heart. If God loves it, I ought to love it. If God disdains it and if God doesn't like it, I ought not to like it. Lord, help us to be people who are surrendered to you, who will be obedient to you and to do what you've called us to do. As I conclude today, he's given everybody a ministry. You have a ministry. He's given everybody a message and he's given everybody a mission. Ministry, a message, and a mission. Every day when you wake up and your foot hit the ground, you ought to be on mission. Who can I tell 
about Jesus today. I know they're probably getting tired of me talking about Jesus all the time. But look, I'm unashamed. I know what God has done for me. I know when I go to my work, I'm sometimes singled out because I'm a Christian. I know that, 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 that my family think that I'm better than them, and I only just want to do the right thing. I know sometimes I'm persecuted because I walk for Jesus and I love Jesus, and sometimes people don't like my stance when it comes to righteousness and truth, but you know what? I'm going to stand for Jesus anyway because I'm an ambassador. I answer to Jesus. I don't answer to anybody else. Even if I lost my job because, you know what, I wasn't going to compromise, I'm still standing for Jesus because, you know what, God's going to fight my battles. I'm not going to compromise. And even if you do fall short, the Bible says there is grace. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'm back and standing with God again. But he wants a heart who's committed to him. Come good times, I'm standing for Jesus. Come bad times, I'm standing for Jesus. But I, I, I close with this. So growing up on 1001 Harmon Street, my grandma name is Margaret Hoskins. Can I come downstairs? I like to make myself come. I'm at home now, y'all. Y'all got to accept me how I am now. I'm at home. And growing up, we would go to my grandmother's house. And she would always make us sing. And I grew up in the Baptist church. So we'd be in church all day long. And I'd look at the clock and say, Mom, I'm ready to go. But my grandma would get us together, my brothers, my sisters, and my cousins, and we used to sing in the middle of the choir. And she would sing, we would sing, and we would sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And we would sing, if no one follow, if no one joins me, still I will follow. No turning back. As we say, the cross before me and the world behind me, no turning back. And you know, I was in elementary school, and to this day, a 37-year-old man is still singing that song in my heart. Because she trained me. And you know what? I wouldn't take it back for the world. At that time, I didn't like it, and I didn't know how, was it, how it was affecting me. But now, my stance is still the same. I have decided to follow Jesus, and there's no turning back. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my family. But even if no one came with me, I'm still going with Jesus because I've made a decision to follow Jesus. Please bow your head with me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness, your grace. Thank you for giving us the ministry of reconciliation. Thank you for saving us while we were in our sin, Lord. Thank you, God, for changing our trajectory and giving us a purpose, giving us a plan for our life, and giving us the opportunity to serve you. It is truly an honor to serve the King of Kings. Thank you for using us as change agents. And Lord, I just pray for every individual in here that you help them, that you help us to be kingdom citizens to further your kingdom, to stand strong on the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
to be a light to this dark world, to stand on your word. Lord, I just thank you for all the things that you're doing at Connect Church. We thank you for this opportunity to give your word, and we just want to say we love you. We ask that you bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen.